Motown Rundown, welcome back. It is Monday, October 11th. Guys, how are we feeling? Like a million bucks because I love Dan Campbell. That's why, Rams. Oh my God. Yeah, I, this was the uh this was the first. I'm trying to think. I'm gonna give the wrong date. This is the first time in a very long time that I have gone a Sunday or a Lions game day without watching a single snap of the game. And that's something that will come up later in the episode uh, as we move into the Lions talk eventually during the show. Um, but I know there were some pleasantries exchanged in the Motown Rundown group chat. There are some, I don't know, what, there's some tension. There's some tension in the air because there's some conflicting opinions. And Trent did call you me out. You and Trent finally disagreed for the first time ever. Me and Trent? <laughs> yeah. Hey, well, listen, Rab, Rab's quit on the team. And I got I, Now it's. Now it's you and Rab. Trent, Trent accused me of quitting, and then he pulled my move of when people make comments, and he said you didn't watch the game. I believe he threw an F word in there. You just you factually didn't watch the game. I believe he threw an F word in there. Yeah, no, I didn't watch the game, and I, you know what, you know what, I, I Lions couldn't have been happier. Rabs. Couldn't have been happier. But beside the point, Collins, how are you? Got a cough. Other than that, I've like <laughs> coughed so much, like. I think I'm like getting abs. Really? Like I, I it, like it hurts to cough my stomach. Yeah, that's the that's the Collins workout plan. Is that like a thing? Cough, cough to get thing? abs. Is that like a thing? It, it might be. It's got to be if you're if you're flexing your abs that much, like when you cough. I mean, it you, you probably get st- you get some kind of like something. Shout doesn't out. matter how much I work out, I'll never have abs. It's just not in the charge. Well, abs are made in, abs are made in the kitchen, my friend. And some people are more genetically predisposed to have abs, as you, well, as, I you mean, see in the, as you see in the paper in the papers and you read about. Well, I mean, that's there, there's 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 like actual abs and there's like skinny abs. That's just, <laughs> you just don't. Yeah. Oh, there goes Collins. Shout out to uh, the single women in the Toledo area. Ryan Collins is. On his way to having a six put six uh, six pack abs, yep. Ryan Collins six pack shortcuts.com. Great idea. Let's uh, let's squeeze in our Michigan State football minute here. How are we feeling, Collins? Dude, they're going to the playoff. Collins, wow, <laughs> shocking. Trent with the shocking comment that they're going to the playoff already. Collins, Winning the Big Ten. Let's if, come back down to earth. If you thought I was only a Lions slappy, you were wrong. Michigan State slappy playoff. Collins, go for it. I mean, I love the he- mindset, but they're good, dude. What do you want me? To, what else do you want me to say, dude? guys? I was about oh. to, I was about to text you guys on Saturday, and I was like halfway through that third quarter before uh, the Kenneth Walker run, and I was gonna say like, this team's second half woes are a real issue, and then they just shut me up before I could even complete that thought and like text you guys about it. So I was I was pleasantly surprised by that. I think they still have some second half issues, but they'll work it out, dude. What's they look good. Half issues? Well, they they just never play a full game. They they like they slow down sometimes in the second half. I, well, I mean maybe that's recency bias of what was the game where they only had like well, Nebraska one first down in the second. Was- yeah, Nebraska. No, but I for me the whole thing is I awesome in the second half against Miami though. I don't know whatever. 
the, the very true. Rucker, for whatever reason, Rucker. I know Michigan State like lost like in a very ugly, ugly fashion to Rutgers last year, and you can put the asterisk on it of COVID year and and the fact that no team in the history of the sport I think has turned the ball over more times than than Michigan State yeah, against yeah, Rutgers Rams. last that was year. You can give them the worst. You can give them the trademark Ryan Rabinowitz sick league on that one, but you could also just- well. Yeah, but I but for whatever reason, Rutgers kind of has that tag now of like that's a team that can sneak up on you if you're not prepared to play. So my my whole thing with Michigan State football was always like I can never go into a game confident. And I think I've probably passed that now because they handled Rutgers like completely. Like I there was a second there where it was kind of like, okay, you know, this this might be a game like though that one half of the fan base thought it did, but they ended up taking care of business. So they roll into Miami ne- or I'm sorry, Indiana next week. And that to me should be a should be business as usual. And then hopefully both teams are on the I don't say, I don't say that, Rabs. What? Indiana is gonna be a tough game for them. Well, okay. So what's not gonna be a tough game for them? People's Rutgers is gonna be a tough game. Nebraska is gonna be a tough game. What's what's well not Nebraska was you should have lost that game. People don't act like this Indiana game is gonna be a cakewalk. Isn't Phoenix out? Yeah, but it doesn't matter. The Tuttle guy is just as good. Dude, also Penix it's it's, it's Penix. It's Penix. It's not. It really? It's not. Jeez. It is not penis with an Penix. X. <laughs> yeah, Penix <laughs> on me. Yeah. No comment. But um, no comment about Michael Penix's last name because I, I, I that is such a funny last name. I'm sorry, Penix. Penix. Just makes me laugh every time. I mean, I whatever. Agree. No disrespect just, to the kids. Like if he just throws kids. one bad, he throws one interception. You already know what I'm going to say. His last name actually is, but it's not. Whatever. Just I, kids. Uh, what's it called? They're good. Um, defensively, they're a lot better than I thought they were going to be. And offensively, they actually just like huge plays or like a big play offense, which is hilarious to think about for Michigan State. Because <laughs> even with like Connor Cook and that stuff. I wouldn't necessarily say they were like a big play offense. They're really good at dynamic, but it wasn't like, okay, 75 yard touchdown 70. Like I've never seen a Michigan state team like they last week. And I'm not saying it's sustainable or whatever. I just really hope they show up on Saturday because October 30th can be very, very, very fun. If they're both seven and all. How about the big 10 having, what is it? Five teams in the top 10. Yeah. Well, what's it called? I mean, Iowa, I was the worst second-ranked team of all time. <laughs> they are. They're not good. They're not good, but they're the second-ranked team in the country? They're good, whatever. I'm just saying, like, they actually – Penn State dominates that team, and then Sean Clifford gets hurt, okay? I'm just saying, like, you're also playing in one of the most rockiest, like, environments I've ever seen in college football. I'm just saying, Iowa, don't P- – I hope people don't buy into, like, oh, Iowa might win the Big Ten. Whoever comes out of the East is going to beat Iowa in the Big Ten Championship game. Just saying. You heard it here first. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, Ryan Collins. Anything else Michigan exciting happens this weekend? this weekend? I need it. Well, listen, yeah. the case the case for Michigan State to, like, actually make something happen here, like, in the poll. And well, I say that. They... Go for it. Sorry, Trent. Go ahead. I'm not, no, no, no. Go for it, Collins. I, if they win this weekend, and I'm not going to look forward to the, way to the Michigan game, but, like, you win that Michigan game, then you can legitimately be like, okay, you can go to Indianapolis. Like, you really – just get Penn State at home, probably get hammered by Ohio State on the road. But I'm just saying, like, you take care of business at Indiana, and then you never you never know what's going to happen in that Michigan game. But, like, you're 7-0 with basically 
You have Michigan at home. You have Penn State at home. You have to play Ohio State on the road, but Ohio State also has to play Penn State and Michigan on the road. So, you know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of things that could happen. So, if you're Michigan State, you're 7-0 and during that Michigan game, and you win that Michigan game, you, like, either team who wins that Michigan-Michigan State game is going to be like, okay, we can go to Indy. Like, it's very doable. Especially Michigan. And Michigan wins that game in East Lansing. They're like, sweet, we only got go to we gotta go to State College. Maybe not even have to win that game. And then if we beat Ohio State, we're going to Indy. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, well, the, 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 you just made the case beautifully for MSU. I think the national point is more like, okay, the ACC is non-existent this year. The, the SEC could be in trouble because you never know. Alabama lost, and now they've got a loss in conference. And Georgia, you know, Georgia's Georgia. I think they'll figure it out. But then the, the one monkey wrench is that Cincinnati is phenomenal, and they're not going to lose another game. So, you know, I think they that's a team that deserves to be in the playoff. And then, like, you, whatever. Michigan State, though, if, if, you, if you told any Spartan fan or any Spartan season ticket holder like Ryan Rabinowitz or any Spartan lifer yeah. like Ryan Thank Collins, you. you would know that, like, I, I, even those even the slappiest of slappies would not have predicted 6-0 or even 7-0 should they take care of business in Indiana. So no, I just, it is. It, it is it incredible. Is it is incredible what Mel Tucker has done. It is the biggest feather in one's cap in a second year as you could possibly get. <laughs> It is, it is pretty odd. Thank you, Ryan Collins, for the cough. He – it is – it is awesome. Like, I, I for a Detroit sports fan, and I'll give – like, Detroit sports have not been great, like, the past – like, they – like, the Tigers were really good. The wins were always pretty solid. But, like, crediting that ever since the wins won the cup, like, it hasn't been, like, great. And the, like, one filler in my life has always been Michigan State basketball and football because they've been pretty solid. In the last couple of years, Michigan State basketball and football not being good while Detroit sports stunk, like it's been awful. It is nice to have Michigan State football back. It is just nice. And uh, I just – I it's – it is down to the point, like, that Michigan State started football now. It's like, okay, time to watch Big Ten Network at 6 o'clock. Oh, time to, watch, like, rewatch YouTube videos of, like, Michigan State's offensive game plan. I, I like I can't wait to the Saturday game. Like yeah. last year, I was dreading Saturdays to watch Michigan State, but now I can't wait for the Indiana game. So it's great. I'm, I'm, I would if I could give Mel Tucker a hug right now. I would. I would just. Give I, him I would. Heart, I would give a nice hearty hug and just be like, "Thank you." To, to quote, to quote our good friend Ryan Rabinowitz here, as we're walking to the Ford Field in Detroit, quote, "I would step out into traffic for that coach." End quote. So there, there. who would I say that for Mel that for Mel Tucker? Yes. God, that's violent, but I don't, I would, uh, I would, yeah, I'm going to hold firm on that statement. <laughs> you know, that's that also, before we completely move on from MSU basketball or football, we should at least mention that dude, Kenneth Walker might win Heisman. And it's the most exciting him, that- him g- giving, uh, was it Jalen Naylor a yeah. high five as he was running in for a touchdown? Yeah, it's like one of the all-time disrespectful moments in sports, and I absolutely loved it. It's it, dude, it's like, just the swaggiest thing was, you could have possibly that was awesome. done. But let me, let me. This might take me a second to pull this up. But Kenneth Walker right now is top ten in like a huge amount of like categories that should, that should absolutely single-handedly put him in the Heisman conversation. And it's like, it's like rushing yards, all-purpose yards, all touchdowns, receiving – not receiving, rushing touchdowns. It's all that stuff. Yards per carry. It's just 
it's unbelievable what he's done and for a transfer. And again, that just speaks volumes about Mel Tucker, but I don't even think Mel Tucker thought he would be this dynamic in this offense. So that's that. People who actually, for him to win the Heisman, he has to have a huge game against Michigan and Ohio State. Correct. It doesn't matter how good his numbers look. I, I, Jabril Peppers literally was a Heisman finalist because media attention. Dude, you got to have big games. You got to have big games against like big opponents like Ohio State and Michigan. So big I'm games just, against I, the rivals. And, and honestly, just to have them there as a finalist, that would be huge for Michigan State. For Mel Tucker in a second year, that is a huge recruiting win. Like I think they've only had one finalist too. Yeah, well, it, just in general for these for these eighteen year old kids, though. these these five star recruits to see the Spartan helmet and the Heisman ceremony, like it, it that that's a big deal. Well, I I mean, I think Michigan State's have a pretty good recruiting class, regardless of what they did on the field this year. Right, and they're awesome. So we don't we we can move on because I I could stroke Mel Tucker for another like thirty five minutes if we oh. really know. But you got to pay for stuff like that. So I guess we'll, we can move on. Yeah. Anything else exciting happened this weekend, guys, before we move into sports? No, college football was awesome, though. That was the best college football Saturday. Got to love it. Got to love it. We're sneaking into some fall weather here, by the way. I know we had a couple warm days Not in really, a row. Dude. We got 60s 70. coming up. No, you're wrong. You got to refresh your app. Refresh your weather app. When are we coming into fall weather? It was 80 degrees be, today, Rabs. Oh, it was 80 well, degrees today. I well, Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. After Saturday, 58. Sunday, 62. 64, it's Monday. 64. Yeah, you're right. I guess we got a week away. Should have, yeah, should have brought saying. that up next week. <laughs> yes. Stay tuned hey, next week for fall yeah, weather. Just lock in next time you say that. Hey, okay. Rabs, you know one thing we are getting a lot closer to? Mm, Halloween. Hockey season. Oh, good! Wow, good job, Trent. Trent is clearly <laughs> fed up with the random with the uh, random banter. No, no, I was trying to lobby a softball. No, but good, thank you. Trent is Trent is correct, and as I have been teasing now for the last two to six weeks, it is now time for the 2021-22 Detroit Red Wings season preview. The people Obviously, want it, Rams. The, the, the people want that from you. You are the best I hockey. Hope. You are the best hockey breakdown analysis. I hope podcast my, and I mean I would even argue at the impact even though you are quasi at thank the impact, you quasi impact so, so people have been waiting for this the, the the wings lifers who've been listening and every every week and we keep teasing it but here we go yes here we go obviously last week we wrapped up the tiger season uh, but now little Caesars Arena is back in full action just down the road here at uh, on Woodward so uh, Red Wing season preview will be today. Um, I believe, as I have talked to the gentleman, we will give you the Detroit Pistons season preview next week. Um, but yeah, let's let's hop into the wings. Um, I guess we can start with preseason hockey. Um, the Red Wings were four and four in the preseason this year. Not that not that it means all that much. Uh, I think teams teams like the Red Wings too, especially really use the preseason to look at, okay, those, those fringe guys on the roster who start in the year in the NHL, who start in the year in the AHL. Um, and we'll get into who made the roster in a bit uh, for a team that finished 1927 and 10 last year, which was good for second to last in the central division, just a smidge ahead of the, uh, of the Columbus blue jackets there. Um, I guess going into this season, if you wanted to ask me what my thoughts were predictions, um, projections. I mean, to no one really does the record thing in hockey, but to me, this is a team that will, I don't want to say is going to compete for a playoff spot, 
Um, but I, but I will tell you that this is, this team has taken another step, not only just in the, as far as the roster shapes up, I mean, in a certain sense, you have addition by subtraction when you lose a guy like Franz Nielsen, who you buy out, um, Valtteri Filpula, who obviously people that have been watching the Red Wings for years and years and years, um, remember his best hockey coming with you as the Red Wings, um, you know, over a decade ago, obviously he's on the older side of things, not a guy that we're going to bring back beyond last year. Um, Darren Helm obviously is a guy that's been around this organization for many years. Um, sad to see him going away, but you know, but he's a name. Um, and I would say another guy like whose name is completely escaping me now, but, um, but beside the point, the, the point being here is that the Red Wings have decided to make another step up as far as putting this roster together, that's going to compete and going to win. Uh, We talk all the time about bad contracts and about guys that are just older on expiring deals that you're, you're looking to get rid of and you accomplish some of that this off season. Um, You know, I would probably tell you that I'd, I'd like to see Luke Lundenning back here. Um, But, you know, obviously wish him all the best. We talked about all that stuff, but the roster is younger. They've filled out the roster with some pieces that, that Steve Eiserman feels like will contribute to the winning formula for this team, which is fantastic. Um, and so I have the utmost confidence that this team will not be a bottom two, bottom three team in their division uh, this year. And again, I go back to competing for a playoff spot. I don't necessarily think that will be the case. I told you last year on the podcast, I believe that come the 2022-23 season, which will be next year, I believe that this team could be a seven or eight seed in in um, in the Stanley cup playoff. And I genuinely believe that. And they do have a couple more pieces to fill out and a couple guys that you're looking at, you know, that, that, you know, a guy like Danny DeKaiser, where he fits in the equation beyond this year. Um, and, you know, you have, you have draft picks that you still have to kind of see come to fruition. So, um, we can revisit that conversation another time, but going to be a, going to be a strong year for the Red Wings. I think for a team that's been rebuilding. Strong, for, what is a strong year? I, a, a strong year as in knocking on the door of potentially being one of those last playoff teams. And I don't think that they're, they're strong enough to get in, but I, I don't think they're going to be, you're going to be looking at the Red Wings in the conversation of getting a, you know, having the, the fifth to eighth best odds of getting the first overall draft pick. I think I, you know, I think they'll probably still be at the back end of, of the lottery potentially um, depending on injuries and, and just how the season goes. Um, but I, I would, I, again, if you want to, if you really want to make me try to calculate a record into an 82 game schedule real quick, I guess I, I guess I could, but I, I don't I'm think, not that, gonna, I think that, I'm just, well, well, what's the, what's the over under win total Rabs? You know, that's a good question. I have no idea, but I'll, I just I'll look that you, up. I'll look that up. Keep talking your days, your days of finishing pretty much close to dead last in the, in the league, in my eyes are over because you've shirt up your blue line. You have, probably the most blue line depth you've had here in the last five years. Um, you know, you bring in, you bring in guys like Jacob Verana, who obviously we'll, we'll get to in a second cause he won't be with the team for the um, for the beginning of the season due to injury. Um, you know, you bring in a guy like Pew Suter, who I think will be able to add some jump to your top six. And you have another year of Michael Rasmussen who got better last year, noticeably Philip Zadina took a small step, but it was a step nonetheless. Um, and then you can build the excitement with having Mo Sider on your blue line, along with Nick Letty, who, you know, people look at Nick Letty and look at his age and the fact that, oh, that's a big contract that got traded over from the Islanders. The Islanders are so good on defense. That was like, I mean, they could have, 
if there was anyone to move, like obviously they would have kept Letty if they could have, but they had to just sign their younger guys that um, it just made sense at the time. I don't think it was a matter of Nick Letty being a bad contract at all. So I think he'll surprise some people with how much he can contribute this year to the average fan who has never seen him really play. Um, and then goaltending wise, like to have Delkovich and Thomas Grice, I, I still to this day scratch my head at how Alex Ndelkovich was able, was able to come over here for such a cheap price, especially considering that Jonathan Bernier did not re-sign in Carolina. And, and Thomas Grice, you have to understand with this Red Wings team who has not been very good on defense and they struggle to put the puck in the net. Like the, the goaltending stats for Red Wings goalies over the last handful of years have, have looked bad, but their play has not necessarily been that bad on the ice, if that makes any sense. So to have Nadalkovich, who's a young guy who you have here for a couple more years um, on a relatively cheap deal, considering the fact that he almost won the Calder Trophy last year and who has a very, very high ceiling. Um, and to have Thomas Grice, who's a seasoned vet and who is, is about as steady as you can get for a backup slash fringe starter, um, I just think in totality, everything is, is on the up and up. So um, as far as, as far as the preseason goes um, again, you know, I don't have too much there as far as what you see in games or whatnot. I do that. There is one thing to mention. There was the one game where I believe the Red Wings scored like maybe four goals on the power play. And I know Lucas Raymond contributed to that. So, you know, you bring in a guy like, like Nick Letty, who, who brings a, a veteran presence of just, vision on the ice uh, and who's, who's been in the, in the game for so long and has been on teams like, you know, Chicago and the Islanders are two teams that um, when he was with the team have been very, very successful. Um, and then Lucas Raymond just adds that element to your, to your team of he's got, you know, it's the speed, it's the hands. He's got an absolute, absolutely wicked shot um, that if you see in the one goal, I don't even really remember what game that was where he buried the power play goal, but um just talk about adding skill to your top six. And now I guess to go into the, to go into the roster. Um, I mean, I would say things that things that jump out, I mean, forward wise, you have Zadina Fabry, Mitchell Stevens, who you got over in a trade from Tampa Bay, um, Lucas Raymond, who I remember saying last week or two weeks ago that Jeff Blashill made some comment early on in training camp or even during like the prospect tournament, um, or he was like, Lucas Raymond is going to have to be exceptional to, to make the big club out of camp. And he made the big club out of camp. And I think from the bits and pieces of preseason hockey that I was able to watch, he fits right in. Like speed-wise, and it, 19 years old, this is a very similar spot that Dylan Larkin was when he first made the team um, out of camp. But speed-wise, he's there. He has enough edge to his game where he can hold his own um, as, as far as from a physical component. Uh, the one thing that he was complimented on a ton in over the preseason, which was even said by some of his teammates, were just his, his hands and, and his IQ and just his ability to play the game with, you know, that, that two-way mentality, which was a huge reason why he was drafted by this team. So phenomenal to see him make the team, but not only make the team, he is projected to play on your first line come Thursday night in the home opener against, uh, against the Tampa Bay Lightning. So uh, just absolutely – thrilled to see his name on the roster and for the Fairweather fans that are looking, you know, and they always go like, hey, where's, where's the excitement? Who am I supposed to watch? Like what, now is your time because Lucas Raymond makes the roster. Uh, Mo Sider makes the roster on D um, Pew Suter for uh, back to the forwards, Michael Rasmussen, Carter Rowney, Giovanni Smith, Tyler Bertuzzi, Dylan Larkin, Adam Ernie, Sam Gagne, and Vladislav Nemestikov is how you roll the balls out with your forward group. Where's uh, the Lando? 
Valeno is in the AHL. So I, I know I wanna... I, I'm aware. Good call. If we want to touch on that. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> so the, the thing, the thing for me is, um, with so why like is him, he not on the team? I don't understand it. So I would say Valeno is not on the team for the sake of they, and I, and Jeff Blashill made a comment today about, about his playing time, Joe Valeno and the AHL will get an opportunity to play on probably the first line, if not the top two lines as, as a centerman. And I guess from the Red Wings perspective, they feel like that is going to be the best path for him to develop and hopefully break through or get close to that ceiling um, that, that the Red Wings believed he had when they took him at 30 uh, in, in the uh, first round of that draft respective draft, whenever that was. Um, so it makes sense to me, right? Because you have, your top line will be centered by Dylan Larkin. Your second line will be centered by Pew Suter, uh, more, more than likely. Um, and then from there, I would say your third line center would be Michael Rasmussen, as long as they want to keep him there. Um, and then as far as the fourth line is concerned, you're probably looking at Sam Gagne. So um, to me, it was a matter of his, his positional pipeline or that depth chart that they have at center. I, they don't see Joe Valeno as being a, top six to middle six centerman and to put him on the fourth line with in, in a role that probably doesn't really suit or doesn't really compliment, or I should, I should say doesn't really um, highlight his strengths the way a top two line would. Um, I just think is doing him a disservice and it mostly comes down to ice time. So he'll get to go down to the AHL. And again, Joe Valeno, it's not like Joe Valeno is 25 years old. You know, he's, he's still young. And I think the, the, the report on Joe Valeno, I remember, I'm trying to think of what year it was that he was granted exceptional status uh, to play in the tier one Canadian junior leagues, which um, for those people who aren't that tuned into the hockey world. Uh, so you can start playing your junior hockey come age 16. There's a handful of guys that were granted exceptional status, meaning that you can play um, tier one junior hockey in Canada as a 15 year old. Connor McDavid's one of those guys. John Tavares is one of those guys. I'm trying to think. I think is it was Patrick Kane another one. They're, they're, whatever. It's a it's a handful of guys. I think there was. Uh, I believe uh, was it Connor Bedard that was given that uh, exceptional status this year as well. Um, but it's a handful of guys that were just so good playing minor hockey that. It was like, okay, we think this guy can hang, and they allowed him to play. So so Joe Valeno was one of the most coveted um, prospects, or I guess I would say junior players when he entered the OHL. Um, I'm sorry, I believe that Joe Valeno was a QM. Was it Quebec major? Could be a QMJHL. I, I don't know. It escapes me, but beside the point. Um, so, and it was kind of a surprise to many people when he slid in the draft as far as he did for the wings to get him down at 30. Um, so I would say development wise, maybe it's taken Joe Valeno longer than people would, people like myself had hoped, um, for him to kind of reach that level of play that, that, you know, was, he was projected to be at given how, how successful he was in minor hockey. And for the most part in his junior hockey, so I just think it's a matter of, of minutes for him. Taro Hirose will also start the year in the AHL. The more and more that I watch Taro Hirose, I don't, I just don't necessarily see the fit as him being a, like a staple of this, of this Red Wings lineup How dare um, you? going forward. And I am people, I am a How dare you? guy. I'm still on the Hirose for uh Hobie train. Spartan dog for life. Those were great shirts. Um, but other than that, I mean, I think Riley Barber was the other name that was that was uh, 
sent or assigned to Grand Rapids today. I think I made a comment about him before the year last year that he would be someone that actually might surprise people and make the roster out of camp. Um, but that's obviously not the case. So um, I guess, yeah, Valeno to me, Collins would be like the one guy that people are maybe like, hmm, that's interesting. Um, but another part of, you know, another part of it's organizational depth and you allow, you know, you, you give some depth to your AHL system because of that. And also you have to look at the contracts too. Like I believe if, if Giovanni Smith were to be sent down to Grand Rapids and I think Carter Rowney was the other guy they were looking at um, as far as guys that might take that last or cause I believe on the ice this morning, there were 24, 24 skaters this morning, the roster had to be down to 23 come like 5. PM. Um, and I, I think it was from what I read, it was uh, Giovanni Smith, Carter Rowney. And then that last spot, uh, Joe Valeno. And, and for the, for the first two guys and Rowney and Smith sending those guys to Grand Rapids, they would have had to clear waivers, which the wings are probably, you know, obviously very concerned about losing a guy like Giovanni Smith um, because they just signed him to an extension. And then, you know, Carter Rowney was, was signed and brought over to, to fill in a fourth line role for you. So um, I, they just probably felt like, Hey, we'll send Valeno down cause it won't hurt us. And if he plays well enough in Grand Rapids, then we can always pull him up. So he'll be down there. Jonathan Burgeon will also be down there as well, which if, you know, if you're a Red Wings fan and have been somewhat tapped into their, to their prospect line, um, Jonathan Burgeon's a guy that has, has surprised a lot of people um, from everything I've read. He um, it was, was quite impressive in the prospect tournament earlier this uh this off season and he'll get the opportunity to play professional hockey in grand rapids this year. And I'm um, a guy that you might not see come up this year unless he exceeds expectations, but um, another good piece nonetheless, that, that should be a part of this team going forward. So to finish on D um, Nick Letty, Philip Pronick, Mark Stahl, Gustav Lindstrom, Mo Sider, Danny DeKaiser, Troy Stetcher, Jordan Osterley. Uh, doesn't surprise anyone. Then obviously the goalie is Thomas Grice, Alex Andalkovich. But no, no surprises on what D. What jersey number is Sider wearing? I think that's 53. Important. Thoughts? Well, I think he's worn that number. Like he wore it uh, playing in the SHL last year. And I believe he was wearing it when he played in the World Juniors for Germany. Is Raymond wearing 24? 23. I like that. I like that a lot. But yeah, Cider will wear a 53. Dude, the jersey I, numbers matter a lot. Don't, don't. Yeah, they do. I agree. Like Jordan Osterley <laughs> wears 82, and you're going to quickly see that the number definitely matches the level of play of Jordan Osterley. Not to knock the guy too soon, but I guess the, the thing as far as the defensemen go, they're carrying AD on the roster this year, which. I mean, I, I, I guess I would say that if, if I was a head coach of, of a team that got to carry 23, I would probably have the two extra forwards and one extra defenseman as opposed to the two extra D and, and the one extra forward. Um, however, I, just based on, again, the, the signings that were made and how contracts work of guys, certain guys, if you try to put them in the AHL, you can, you can lose them on waivers and whatnot. Um, so they're going to roll 8D out this year. And, and to be honest with you, I, I like it a lot just from the standpoint of you look at a guy like Mark Stahl and Danny DeKaiser uh, um, because in, in like Danny DeKaiser uh, is a guy that's had very questionable health the last couple of uh, years. Mark so, Stahl and Danny DeKaiser. Yuck. Well, I, that's uh, my point He's being paid that's DeKaiser a, so much money, dude. Exactly. And that's, that's another component of, when you pay, when you, I mean, he, he, his contract is highway robbery and granted he hasn't really been 
the healthiest the last couple of years, but I don't think his play, his play has not been close to the amount of money that he's making. So this, this is the last year of his deal, if I'm not mistaken. So back to my point of like, you're going to have a lot more questions answered about, you know, his future as the year goes on. And I don't, I don't know if he's going to have any value to, to be traded at, at the deadline or whatnot, but I mean, if he's coming back on this team next year, it would have to be for a pretty, uh, pretty nice price on the Red Wing side of things. But between the Kaiser and Mark Stahl, um, with with you know just looking at like injury problems, I think that carrying eight D is probably the way they want to go. And I don't know if they're planning on you know trying to load management's not the right word, but if you're going to try to limit the amount of games that Danny DeKaiser has to play in a row, um, even Mark Stahl to that standpoint, I mean you're gonna you're gonna carry your eight defensemen, and I would tell you that opening night you'll have Mo Sider and and Nick Letty on your top pair. That's that's how it's look so far this preseason and, and, you know, back on like the point of Lucas Raymond, Mo Sider has shown you, he showed you all last year in the SHL playing pro hockey that he can absolutely hang at this level. And, and I know the SHL is nothing what, what the NHL is, but um, between his, his size um, and his, his physical ability, I think there was no question that he was going to be a shoe in to make this roster and he should be on that first pair. Um, and then you'll have, uh, Heronic and in potentially Lidstrom, and I know the thing that was. Well, did Heronic just be on that top pair? I think he will. Well, I mean, I, I just think as far as the pairings go, they've been playing Cider and, and Letty together for the, the most part. I can't quite oh, think I know. Of who Heronic has been has been playing with. What I say? Uh, Lidstrom. Yeah, um, I'm. I, I would have to think that Heronic is easily. I mean, he's a top four defenseman on your team, no matter what, but. Um, we'll have to see as far as pairings go, but I would say that it'd be it'd be Cider, Letty, Kronick, um, Lindstrom, and then to fill out your last two. I mean, I would have to imagine that Troy Stetcher is playing for you every night, and uh, and, and probably Mark Stahl. To be honest, like I I think that uh, well the the Stetcher the Stetcher and Stahl combo last year actually wasn't all that bad. But the problem oh. that you're going to run into now, I don't, I don't know. And like, I feel like whatever I was reading, I should probably have written this down or something, but I don't know if Stetcher has been playing a ton with, with stall as far as the preseason is concerned, but I'll be curious to see what they do on D. I mean, either way, you're going to scratch two guys a, a night, most likely, unless you want to roll out the seven D and just let guys play and see what you can do. But that's how the roster shakes out. I mean, honestly, like I don't, the way, the way that I approach these Red Wings talks are just like if I was sitting on the couch with my buddies and just like mentally trying to scrape through the roster and scrape through this team. So I feel like I've never always like that organized on Red Wings talk, but I don't know. There's, there's your roster. And, and, and well, I guess the last, the last component before I turn it over to you guys or we can take this whatever direction we want, um, the, the, the piece of the puzzle – that you'll be missing until it sounds like at least February is Jacob Vrana, who I believe is having, I think it's shoulder surgery and, and you won't have him for a couple months. So that obviously hurts a ton, namely because you're, you would just like to see the guy start the year and, and play a full year in Detroit. Obviously he came onto the scene after the deadline last year and blew expectations out of the water. And that's a guy that is an easy top six guy if not on the first line outright every game for this team. So um, from that standpoint, that, that hurts um, definitely hurts to not be able to see him, but um, he'll be back in the mix 
a couple months down the road and then you'll get to you'll get to see him play and and yeah that's all I got I do have one question for you like like and this is it's not a political thing but it's a factor mm-hmm. like the Bertuzzi situation how big of a deal is that to you the fact that he can't play in Canada I know it's not a ton of games but what are, what's your temperature on that well what's yeah. it called you can't play in New York either I don't think yeah New York New York City and Canada they don't I, I mean maybe San Jose the they only go out there like once though I think right yeah I mean I don't I I don't know that I was to my knowledge was just the Canadian cities. And I know that now that's obviously changed what it sounds like from what you guys are saying. <laughs> it's a, it's a tough situation because as Steve Eiserman said, like, Hey, he, he's refusing to get the vaccine. I just, and, that is so funny. He re- <laughs> Well, he just, I mean, he's just not getting the vaccine. Like that's no, no, it, I know, but I still think it's really funny. You said he refused. I love how Eiserman's like, it was that like he politely used to say, "Hey man, I'm not getting bad saying I believe in this." It was like, no, he vis he visibly got angry. It's like it, it made it sound like Eiserman like had him like under like uh had like a gun to his head and like Bertuzzi <laughs> had like an AK in his back pocket too. Yeah, well the back like the back side of the back side of those comments, you know, Eiserman was was like, "I'm not gonna." You know, it's not my place to force people into making decisions like that. So I think from, I don't know how it affects the locker room. I would have to imagine that, you know, it is, is a fan. It's a little bit disheartening because it's like, dude, you know, Tyler Bertuzzi being on the ice every game gives your team the best chance to win. So the fact that there's going to be instances this year where he's completely healthy and he's just not able to travel with the team and play like that hurts you. It definitely does. It's not like he's, you know, a bottom six player on your team. He's a top line player. And to not have him in, in what's in, in, you know, more, not obviously not more games than not, because he will get to play the majority of the games this year, but in those certain circumstances, it's kind of like, God, man, like, you know, really, but in, in all honesty, I think it hurts him more than anything else. Because when it comes time for contract negotiations and things of that matter, like that's something that can get pulled and be like, well, you didn't even get to play in a lot of the games for us this year. And these are what your numbers. And, to? What was that? Like a three-year deal? Yeah, I think it was two or two or three. So I'm assuming by the time that negotiations come back up, we won't have to deal with this bullshit anymore. Um, but beside the point, like, you know, when it comes time to that kind of stuff, it's like, okay, well, we can point to your – 2021 22 year and and this is what guys are making the head your point production so yeah i, I don't know i mean it's one well, of those situations where it's like what what are you going to do you're not you're not going to you're not going to cut the guy or outright release him um or even in, in like, even trade him for for this circumstance you just kind of have to deal with deal with what it is for this year and just hope that you know we return to if not, I, I mean, I would hope maybe some point in the year all that stuff gets lifted. Like in Canada, you can be a human being and, and have some freedom as a, as a human again. And I will, I will say I, I doubt it. I hate being a pessimist, but I doubt it. Whatever. I mean, I, it sucks, but that is what it is. What's it called? When I look at this year, just this is as a very, very – I'm not going to act like I'm a wins diehard. I, I'm a casual wins fan. I love the wins, and I get locked in when they're, like, obviously good. I wouldn't say I'm a bandwagon wins fan, but, like, I'm just a casual wins fan. It's not, like, my love of the Tigers and the Pistons and stuff like that, and obviously the Lions. Like, it's like, oh, the wins are on. Are they winning? 
Is it close? I guess I'll watch. But whatever. As a casual wins fan, I look at a guy like Sedino because I think this year will be like, okay, like he's still not scoring at a high level. I guess he's not the player we thought he was going to be. Like, I think that's fair to say after this year, if he doesn't come out and he's more productive offensively. I think you could also look at Dylan Larkin after this year and kind of like say to yourself, you're like, is this guy really an elite player? Like, I, 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 I know we've had this discussion before about him being captain and stuff like that. I just I, – I really hope he's able to take the next step because I think hockey, unlike other sports, like you randomly like five to six years into people's careers, you'll see that where it's like, oh, he took a huge step. He's like a different player. Maybe Larkin does that. But like right now, I'm like – on a good team, I don't see him more than a second-line center. Or something like, you know what I mean? I just, or uh, it's just, it is what it is. With I, I think about Larkin, but him and Sedina, I want to see more out of this year. That is my two things I want to see. Yeah, I would say I, I totally agree with you on on the Zadina front, and he slid a bit in 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 the draft. Obviously, the Wings were able to pick him up at six, I believe, and he was projected to go third overall. Not that that's a huge slide, but he slid nonetheless, and. You know, Zadina came in as one of those guys who, like, he's, you know, he's a natural goal scorer. He's going to put the puck in the net for you. And he really hasn't been that. And I don't think that his game away from the puck and defensively has been nearly good enough to justify him, like, not being able to score goals at the rate that he was supposed to. So I would agree, Collins, from the standpoint of, that's like the one guy this year that my eyes are glued on because he has to show you something. Like I think Michael Rasmussen got a heck of a lot better from um, two years ago to this previous year and has at least shown you that he can competently play in your bottom six as a big lengthy centerman. And, you know, while that's not a guy who's going to probably put, you know, 20 pucks in the back of the net for you on that third line, he at least can, can take up some ice and, and, you know, contribute defensively and, and he's skilled enough to where he can make plays happen. Um, But Philip Zadina is someone that you need to produce in your top six. And to your point about Dylan Larkin, I think now the fact that he's going to have Lucas Raymond, who while still has to grow into his own as, as a rookie um, and, and has a lot to go from that standpoint, he'll also have Tyler Bertuzzi, who he's very familiar with as they've played on, really have played on that top line with Anthony Mantha, uh, probably the most consistently out of, out of any grouping. But with that being said, I think even if you give him a guy like Robbie Fabry or when Jacob Verana comes back, if you're rolling out like Verana, Larkin, and Raymond on that first line, like that's going to be a tough, tough line to play against. So, of course, you know, Dylan, there is that part of the Red Wings fan base that has that skepticism with Dylan Larkin. And I, I don't, you know, I don't really I just think he needs to be better. I think it's fair to like want him to be like a guy oh, where you, get that. people get are like that. he on a night to night basis. It's like, wow, he's a really good player. Like, I think he takes nights off. I, I truly, like, he is not, like, especially both sides of the, like, both ends of the ice. I have not seen, like, what I need to see out of your, like, captain, supposedly, like, a franchise cornerstone. Yeah, I, I mean, I would just, from that standpoint, I I 
attribute a lot of the criticism of Dylan Larkin to his supporting cast. I truly do. And, okay. and again, I'm not, I'm not in the locker room, so I'm not going to comment on what kind of, you know, person, like, is he a first guy in last guy out type of guy? Like, I, I don't want to get into all that mix. And, and if you, I mean, you have to look at the, look at the captaincy that he's following, you know, he's following the footsteps of Henrik Zetterberg, Nicholas Lidstrom and Steve Eiserman. So to, to, to hold the can't like, don't be like, well, he's not performing up to expectations from that standpoint, I think is ludicrous because he, yeah. he is not the player that Henrik Zetterberg is and was not the player that Nicholas, I mean, Nicholas Lidstrom is one of the best defenseman hockey players ever. And Steve Eiserman is in that same category. So to, 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 to pin that on him, like you got to think that he understands the magnitude of his position, but I would say as far as his play is concerned, I think he's one of the more defensively responsible centers. And it's just a product of you're right. Collins. He's not like lighting up the score sheet at the clip that other first line centers in the league do. I think Dylan Larkin's best asset is his playmaking ability. And when you don't really have the supporting cast around you on a consistent basis to like, like Anthony Manta to me, I get, he's a goal scorer, but Anthony Manta is not a guy that can, that can, that, that commands taking pressure off of Dylan Larkin. Like you don't have to keen your defenders on Anthony Manta. He's got a big shot. And when he gets open with the puck, he can put it in the back of the net. That's what like Anthony Manta was to me, Tyler Bertuzzi, was not drafted to this team to be a 30 goal scorer, but he showed you when he's, when he's healthy over the last couple of years, he's kind of grown his game into being a guy that can, that can put the puck in the net for you. So to have, to have Tyler Bertuzzi back healthy, who you didn't have for the majority of the year last year, Dylan Larkin was, was hurt at the end of last year. And now you add a guy like Lucas Raymond, who I think is going to be a bona fide goal scorer in this league <laughs> that you can at least spread the wealth to, and he can get himself open and get himself in an area where he can put the puck in the net. He doesn't have to just constantly take pressure and facilitate and hope other guys can score for him. I think it's going to open up his game a lot. So that the discussion will be Collins as his career goes on is like, yes, is he that, is he that game changer? Like he can take a game over, put them with the puck on a stick. As of right now, I would say probably not. And you'd probably want that out of your first line center. So whether or not the Red Wings, I, I genuinely believe the Red Wings look at Dylan Larkin as being this team's first line center until the wheels fall off. But you know, you bring in a guy like Pew Suter, who Steve Eiserman was very, very high on. If he can play to the level that he played last year and his first year in the NHL, then I think you put yourself in a, in a decent spot going forward. And you have to think, too, you know, you'll have Joe Valeno in the lineup at some point. Can, can he progress into a second line center? No, maybe. I think he's got the, the skill set, too. It's a matter of if he can put it all together. Um, Jonathan Burgeon, again, young guy that we talked about earlier playing in the AHL who – is really, really impressed um, uh, as, as time has gone on in, in his young career uh, playing junior hockey. And I think the little taste of, of pro he might have been playing in Sweden. So we'll see. But I, you know, I just think that the Dylan Larkin criticism on a team that's has not been good, like it's he cares. I, I, I just feel like the way he talks in his press conferences and being a kid that's from here, like I genuinely believe that he cares and understands the responsibility he carries, not only as your captain, but as your first line center. And I just, I don't, 
I guess I don't, not really in that camp of, of, you know, pinning it all on him. Like he's getting like the Stafford treatment of like, Oh, like what, but what is, what does Larkin have around him? Like Stafford, Stafford had Calvin. Well, what does Dylan Larkin have? Like Tyler Bertuzzi, Robbie Fabry, like, come on. So we'll see, but I don't really have much else for the wings. If you guys have things you want to add or questions, then phenomenal. And we can, we can talk about it, but I'm excited to watch, man. Like, Last year obviously was a was a really weird year with COVID and everything, but this year to bring in Nick Letty, to bring in Alex Nadelkovic, to bring in uh, now you have Lucas Raymond playing like debuting, Mo Sider debuting, two of your most highly touted prospects in recent memory, um, like that to me is enough excitement to watch this team night in and night out, and they're not going to win every single game. But I think they're going to surprise a lot of teams with how competitive they are. I think they are much deeper in their bottom six than they have been because you get rid of a guy like Franz Nielsen. I don't think Darren Helm had much more to offer you from an offensive standpoint. And, you know, you bring in a guy that's got a lot to prove in Mitchell Stevens, Adam Ernie. I believe I want to go as far as to say is Adam Ernie might have led your team in goals last year who came out of absolutely nowhere for a guy that didn't score a single goal, I'm pretty sure two years ago when you first brought him over. Um, and, you know, Vlad Nemesnikov is a guy that was playing top six, middle six minutes last year that's going to be playing in your bottom six. So you're deeper. Uh, I think your high-end talent has has increased from last year, and you're still not going to start the year with Jacob Vrana, who's going to be an awesome piece for this team. So I'm excited to watch Red Wings hockey. That's just the bottom line. I don't know what else I can tell you. That was my. I'll be there at the opener, Rabs. I'll be there. You will? Yep. What's that? Thursday, October 14th, correct? Yes. The uh, Wings will take on the Tampa Bay Lightning. So, obviously, not the the easiest draw of opening games, let alone home openers. Um, But I believe that game's at 7.30 on Thursday again. Wings puck line. Come on. I was going to say wings by 30. Also, before we move on, Rabs, Rabs, I do want to ask you, because this is this seems alarmingly low to me. I wasn't able to find a win total. I don't think it's been released yet. But no, it has to be. I'll look it up. Well, I I looked at all the I looked at a ton of sports books. I couldn't find anything. But what I did it. find, what I did find was the over under for points for the wings is seventy six yeah, so and that's, a half. That's how they do it. Yeah. That's that's probably that's yeah. I, I don't I doubt also, they actually do win totals, probably just points. What's what was the total? Seventy six and a half. 76 and a half. Isn't that oh, an easy over? And, and my non and my non-hockey mind, I was like, that's that over. I'm gonna bet it. Well, they had they okay, so they had 48 points last year, but they only played 56 games. So I guess Correct. if you mathematically want to break that down, then great. The year before they you had you would expect them to be better and be progressive. So yeah, the, I just I don't before, understand how the why year it's before so that the year before they had 39 points in 71 games because that was the shortened season. The last time the last time they played 82 games, Trent, was what, the 18-19 season, and they had 74 points. So I will tell you that the head point total would be an over bet for me because if you want to compare this team to where they were in 2018-19 when they almost finished dead, I think the only team that was worse than that might have been the Senators, maybe the Kings and Senators. If I'm not mistaken, I'm going to tell you, you're going to want the over on, on that point total to the extent that I might actually go take that right now as we speak. Yeah, no, so. I, I appreciate that, Rabs. That's, 
that is all I wanted to know because I like to entertain the betting aspect of sports nowadays. And, and I am definitely going to bet the over and that will keep me invested in the wings. Go wings, baby. Yep, go LGRW. Wings. Go, go wings. wings. So that's all I have. That's hey, let's do, I, we should, we should do a Motown rundown wings outing. We could do that. I could try to hook it up. I'm excited to watch this team this year, man. I really am. I'm excited. To, I don't think I can. They're still number four on excitement level. It's not close either. That's fine. I can't take it back. The Lions. We're about to talk about the Lions. Lions. <laughs> hey, that's Lions. a good segue. That's a good segue, right? Yeah, but yeah there's my there's my there's my yearly uh, rambling season preview where there's just no organization and I'm just reading off the roster and then just giving my thoughts on individual players. Well, that was good. So Listen, that you. was good. Not all heroes wear capes. Thank you, thanks for Thanks for hanging in. We'll talk more uh, wings as the year goes on. Also, um, also yes. not to be not to be total scatterbrained, but Collins, thank you for asking the Zadina question because that was one of my that was one of my pressing interests as well. So Collins doing Big J journalism over there. This is Dude. a Big J podcast. Dude, speaking of why is Julian Edelman in this truly commercial. Oh my gosh, I hate it. I, I was just watching it's that. Such too. a bad commercial. Okay, sorry. We can move on to Lions. We can move on to Lions. <laughs> All right. Well, let's do Lions. Um, Lions game on Sunday. They played in Minnesota. 19 to 17 loss for the team. Um, they will move to 0-5. Your stats for you on that game. Jared Goff, 21 for 35, 203 yards and interception. I believe he also fumbled too, correct, Trent? He did. Lost the fumble. He did lose a fumble. That's cool. Uh, rushing yards, 13 carries, 57 yards for Jamal Williams. And your leading receiver, Amon Ross St. Brown, seven catches, 65 yards. So, again, this was a game that I did not watch, and I will explain why. And I believe when I talked about this last week, what I said was uh, something along the lines of, like, look, I am a Lions fan, and I will be until the day that I die. However, my, my days of – clearing the schedule, telling people, no, no, I can't work. No, I can't do this. I can't go grocery shopping, mom. I have to watch the lions. I have to be sitting down from one to 4 PM. Like those, those day, days to me, at least for the interim have been put on pause. So Sunday I had to do some work. I was out at the big house, not a fan, but I was out at the big house doing some work. My mom was dis- my mom was disgusted with Rams. I know. I was getting texts. I wasn't happy about it. I was trying to make a living. Just a guy trying to make a living. <laughs> so the the little bit that I did see the glimpses of the game, I saw however they went up 17, 16 on my phone. And, and here I am telling people with what was there, like 36 seconds on the clock? Maybe 37, 37. Here I am telling people, oh, my God, the Lions won. Like, good for them. I'm kind of bummed I didn't get to see the – didn't get to see Dan Campbell's first win. And then all of a sudden I check my phone like an hour later and I see that the game was over and it was 1917 Vikings. And I thought, like, maybe I read it wrong. Maybe the Lions won 1917. Maybe I I missed something. But that was it. They lost 1917. Pump the brakes for a quick second. Because for you to make the declaration that you are now Lions free and to also in the same vein say that with 37 seconds you thought they had it wrapped up, that is an oxymoron. I don't, I, I, one of these things can't be true, uh, Ravs. One of these things cannot be. I'm not Lions free. I'm not Lions free. What I told you is, is that if there's things going on on Sunday where I can't sit down and walk, I'm fine. I don't, I don't, 
my my investment level has decreased significantly from the standpoint of to be honest with you Trent I don't really care to spend my money to go watch them play live I had a great time I had a tremendous time with you and Collins and Brock and Miles and the crew when we went and watched them play the Ravens because but I was demoralized walking out of that game so I don't really like care to spend the money to go watch them play live I don't really care to cut out three hours of my day and forcefully sit down from one to four to watch my uncle Steven, who, who he was the originator of the don't watch if you don't like them or you, or you're going to talk negatively about them. He texted our group chat and said, I have to turn the game off. I can't watch Jared Goff. And he was watching something else. He was watching like baseball or other football games. So I'm not lying Listen, I, from I think, the standpoint of where I like, I don't know who's on the team anymore because I don't watch, but I, 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 that was, that was it. I told people they wanted. Okay. okay. Well, that's okay. You want me to, can I, can I give some quick takeaways before we, before yes, we so get you in? guys? Yes. You, you and Collins have, have the duty today of, Breaking down, analyzing the game, talking game strip, script, strategy, who played well, who didn't play well. You guys can take all that. I won't speak to that because I didn't watch the game. So I'm not going to rag on Jared Goff this week because I didn't get to watch him play. But Trent, if you want to sell me that Jared Goff's 21 for 35, 200 passing yards, like Novi High School, interception, lost fumble. If you want to tell me that he outplayed those stats, I'm not going to, I won't allow you to do it. I'm not going to do that. Collins, go for it. Well, what's it called? Can we talk about the reason why TB was mad at Rabs? Well, I, I mean, can Let's I talk can, about get, the game? I want to get to that. that. I want to talk that. about the game because the big story here is that Dan Campbell cried at the podium, and we'll yeah. talk about that after this. But I, I have four quick takeaways. I want to run through them. <laughs> they're, they're, they're pretty short. I just want to get through them. First of all, the Lions should run the ball 80% of the time. And I know Correct. that sounds that sounds ridiculous, but Rabs, to your point, as even though you didn't watch the game, you have seen yes. enough. You have seen enough this season to understand. And and I tip my hat that Jared Goff stinks. No pass should be longer than fifteen or twenty yards. You don't have the personnel, whether it be quarterback or receivers, to go downfield. So work with what you've got. The longest play should be fifteen to twenty yard balls to Hawkinson, who is your best player. Goff needs to get the ball out quick, if anything. Takeaway number two: when you are up one. With 22 seconds, the Vikings are on their own 45 with no timeouts. Rushing three is not the answer. You've now lost two games because of that, largely. Uh, the Lions only, uh, the Lions are the only team, I believe, ever to lose two games on 50-plus yard walk-off field goals in a season. And, wow. it is week, and it is week five. Takeaway number three, there were a couple players that stood out to me. This is my one positive takeaway from the game. Charles Harris, and I, and I know you're going to laugh, Listen, this guy is 26 years old. He's a former first-round pick. He has four sacks this season. He has a sack in every game except week one when he only played 15 defensive snaps total. He also had a forced fumble versus Chicago, and his streak of four consecutive games with a forced fumble, or excuse me, four consecutive games with a sack is tying a franchise record. So you might have something there. He's only 26 years old, and especially now when you don't have Aquara, Flowers is all banged up, and your linebackers stink. I really think that Charles Harris might like get through and be a, be a silver lining for you this season. Okay. And the second player that stood out to me was Tracy Walker. He balled the hell out. He had nine tackles. He had a one tackle for loss. He batted the pass that was picked off by Anzalone. And he is now the pro football focus, second best ranked safety in the seat in, in the year this season in the NFL. So he, he, he's been playing well. Okay. 
And my fourth and last takeaway, and I won't take a lot of time on this, is the NFC North is probably the worst division in football. And if you watch the game last week, Vikings suck. The Vikings suck. The Bears suck. The Packers are going to win by default. Don't come at me with the NFC East because you know what? The NFC East will at least give you some fight. Dallas the Eagle, is good. The Dallas Eagles good. have the Eagles have a young quarterback. The Giants have a young quarterback. The Cowboys are borderline super cont- Super Bowl contenders. The, the Washington football team has a great coach and an underwhelming defense to this point, but last year their defense was borderline legendary. So that is all. The NFC North is the worst division in football. It's hot garbage, and it's actually sad because they've gone from being a consistent top two division over the last five years to now being the worst division in football. That Those are my game takeaways. Collins, if you have any, I want to hear them, and then we can get into the Dan Campbell thing. Collins, before you, go, before you go, Collins, breaking news, John Gruden has resigned. I know, I saw that. Also, the Grizzlies are beating the Pistons 70-46 to 46 at half. John Gruden resigned? Yes. Yeah, who cares? All right. Oh my! What? That's a big deal. Well, he, he the email came out. And well, I did. understand, but what? What's the deal here? More emails came out, Trent. He more emails came out. Yes, today. That's oh why. Oh got... gosh. Okay. Yeah. All right, well, Collins, go ahead. All right. Sorry. Oh, wow. They ran the ball well. Swift played well. I think they utilized Swift for the first time all week. Uh, I mean, all year properly. Um. Literally, it was so funny, though. I think we had the talk about a couple weeks ago about Campbell not going for it and getting shit on. And then he went for two this week, and then everyone gave him the praise. It was that he made – that's a consistent decision. Like, say what you want about the press conference and everything, whatever. I was happy that he was like, okay, we're an 0-4 team. Let's try and go – like, let's – I'm not going to overtime. We're not trying to go to overtime. Let's try and win a football game here. And even though, I mean, I when the minute the minute they were like, okay, we're going for two, I'm like, there's no shot they get this. They actually did. Jared Goff actually made a really nice play. But um, just the Viking, I, I honestly think it was funny that Campbell tried because the Lions played awful this game. Like he was like, God, I'm just so proud of our guys. I'm like, well, hold up, hold up, hold up. I disagree. I think the defense played great, and I think that it's just – Yeah, because I literally think – I don't know who the OC for the Vikings is. I think he had money on the Lions. Some of the worst play calling I've ever seen by the Vikings. <laughs> okay, but I'll also say it's a different feeling when maybe you don't play great, maybe you don't play that good, but just being there at the end with the lead and the situation. Oh, no, I get that. You know, I, I, I think that – I think. I think that sort of blinds you a little bit to the macro sense. Like, I think this week when Campbell looks at the film, there's going to be a lot of bones to pick with his roster. And I, it, Dude, the offense yes. is unwatchable. It's unwatchable. It's awful. Defense played all right, but I, I like, I'm saying the Vikings helped them a lot. Like, they did them a lot of favors. So, Agreed. All, the people, all, all the people would say, hey, man, uh, this defense, I'm like, well, they literally were like, okay, first of all, Madison fumble at the end of the game, an absolute gift. They missed that field goal. I don't even know. I literally turned the game off for a minute, and they had the ball at, like, the 20. Well, here's what happened. Did, did, do you not know what happened? No, I. It, they missed the field goal. I know that, They right? missed the field goal, yes. Then the then the Lions – well, Jalen Reeves may have enforced the fumble. And no, the I know that. No, 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 no. I I watched that part. I'm talking about the part – I think it was still 16-6. to six. Well, I will also say this. 
the field goal missing kind of added like salt to the open wound because he missed it short. And then he, that was a 49 yarder. He missed it short, which is unheard of. And then of course he nails the, but whatever. Um, but yes, Collins, my bad. So they, the, the, the Vikings ended up going three and out after that, I believe. Um, they, they, there was yeah. a couple incomplete well, passes that Gaul, stopped the Gaul clock. An awful interception. The offense. Oh my sucked. gosh. Yeah. The Lions suck. Dude, the Vikings suck. That's like Dude, the one this division, like, this division sucks, Collins. Like, yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. I just, I, we can move into the Campbell prime thing. Just, yeah. this is like the biggest point of contention in the group chat. Bless you. Bless you, Ryan. Hey, Collins, you want me to, you want me to roll with it? Should I just no, I got it. it. I got it. I got it. <laughs> oh, Pull it together, so, Collins. What's it called? If you hire Dan Campbell, this is what like you're getting. Like, like this, he's a, he's a wacko. He's going to do stuff like this. Collins, I, I want to say, I, I remember, I, remember I thought it was funny that he played this, like, no, this early in the season, because like, honestly, like the Ravens game I, was definitely more heartbreaking because I think they actually played better as a collective group. Like, I think that that was a much well, like this game was gifted by the Vikings and the Lions were almost able to capitalize on it. But like Campbell's like, oh God, I'm just so proud of my guy. It like I was just laughing because I was like, that was they were awful. I'm like, did you well, watch the offense with three quarters of football today? Like they stunk. I think like, the I, point I, Collins, it, it was just, it was funny that he pulled the he pulled the like, I'm so proud of these guys for never giving up, like just right now, when they okay. probably really played one of their worst games of the season. So I wanna I wanna I wanna take that and I wanna roll because I <laughs> Listen, here's the thing. It's not that Dan Campbell was making that point because his team played well. He was making that point because his team fought back in a game they had no business winning. And this is your second heartbreaking loss. So I want to I want to I want to start my spiel here and then I want your guys' thoughts. I have zero problem with Dan Campbell crying post game. In fact, I encourage it and this is what I said in the this is what I said in the group chat and hear me out before you just shit on me. People on Twitter and in my friend group chats make me sick because it isn't a sad woe is me cry from Dan Campbell. Yeah, he, He's not an incoherent emotional mess at the podium. Listen to what the man said. He is proud of the team, wears his heart on his sleeve, and we knew this coming in. Collins, I remember you saying before the season began that Dan Campbell is going to cry at the podium at some point. You, oh, yeah. you, you called that. You, that. Yeah. Yes, hey, you hey, said it that. Was, it was going to happen. <laughs> He's, and and look, look, he's doing the absolute best he can with the roster he has. More on that later, because I know that's one area where we all agree. Why are we going to emasculate Dan Campbell? Is it, 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 it is so refreshing to hear a head coach, after a heartbreaking loss, say something other than, we're going to look at the film, or can you please sit up in your chair? Does no, the bite, I, the, no, no, listen, listen, I'm almost done. Does the bite kneecaps thing get old? Like, sure. Maybe, but Campbell isn't tone deaf and he isn't oblivious. The whole point of that comment when he said it was, you know what? I know this roster sucks. I know we're about to sell Stafford. I've got a six-year contract. I've got a long leash. I'll turn this thing around. And until then, one thing this team isn't going to do is quit. And you know what? The Lions were dead to rights and they forced a fumble. Do you think 
that Jalen Reeves Maven would be going for the ball if Matt Patricia was his head coach. And there oh was my no, God, don't th- give me this, Trump. Th- th- I, this I'm is, sorry. I don't give so, me this. So jump in, guys. I want your thoughts. I'm just saying. I, this, no, this, this, no, I'm letting you go. We Collins is, now. We have Collins is the one three. that's all over you. Collins is like Jalen oh, Ramsey. That's just a dumb thing to say, Trump. I'm sorry. I, oh, listen, I, Collins, Trump, you, I we saw the team laid down for week after week after week after week under that fat-ass rocket scientist. And now we got oh, we got a we got a true leader of men crying at the podium, not because he is sad, because he is proud of his team. And that is my point, Collins. I'm not saying that the team didn't play hard under Patricia, but they play harder under Campbell because oh, playing for your coach matters. And that's the bottom oh, line. I get that. I get that. What I'm trying to say, my point, and I what's it called? I didn't have a problem with him crying. I thought it was funny. I didn't think it was like embarrassing or anything. I think the player, I think the Lions will play pretty hard next week, whatever. I just couldn't believe all the like people on Twitter. It's like, this is the guy. I'm like, just because he cried in his press conference. It's not just because of that. No, no, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. That's part of it. That's largely a part of it. I need you to, I need you to think about this objectively, Collins, because I think I am. No, no. I need you. I need you to really think about this. Like, when have we seen a coach be like this? Not the stupid yeah, I've buttoned up like, like that. Coach never, because it's the NFL. It it's work. the NFL, so Raps, never. So it's Raps, never Raps, happened that, ever. Yes, it has. Oh, my God. Cries. Yes. Who cries? Raps, I don't care about the crying. I'm just – the people acting like, oh, this guy really cares. Guys, That's really going to matter on Sunday. Also, guys, there is a spectrum of crying. This is this is my thing. No, the fact I, that we're talking about – we're about talking about – we're talking about this like Dan Campbell was weeping and he was a mess. That's not he what he I'm talking about. No, I know you're not, but Rabs, who didn't watch the game, is coming in here saying yeah, right, you can't yeah. cry. Just win. And Rabs, you are the same guy who has come on here for four weeks in a row and said this roster sucks ass. You picked against the Lions this week. You picked the Vikings to win. You said you weren't going to watch. You didn't. So Bad I don't know beat. what your problem is. I don't know what your issue is with Dan Campbell. Bad beat. Look. Is it my turn to go now? Go for it. Okay. <laughs> my point was, first of all, I don't I don't think me watching the game has anything to do with the fact that I have to go on Twitter and see that my head coach is in tears at the podium. I agree with Collins. If dude, if there's a game to cry after, how about the fact that I watched a 66-yard field goal hit the crossbar? You know what? And you go what, in Rams? after you almost beat the. That's a game where you you can cry. Hey, after. correct, correct. But I will say this: after lo- I just told you, the Lions are the first team ever to lose on two 50-plus yard walk-offs in a season, and it is week five. So I will that that's my rebuttal to that. Like I and, get and it. I know I the reason the reason why he is crying is because he's so frustrated that the team, as you said, they're not a good team, but they're trying really hard. And it just seems like no matter what, they can't get a bounce. And that is just the story of what the franchise is. And they've had much worse teams and they've had much, 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 much better teams. My whole point with the thing is this. I have no problem with, I would love to play for a guy like Dan Campbell and in for Collins to say, like, I don't care that he cares that much. Like, dude, that. No, 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 no. My point is people acting just because this guy is like, oh, this guy really cares. 
that doesn't translate to winning. Right. They NFL. bail them out. They bail them out because right. of that. It just, I agree. It feels different though. And I'm not, I'm not saying it is no, different. No, I, I, I saying it. is That's fine, it, Trent. What That's I'm saying. Fine. I, I'm just saying I, the one point I just want to get out there. I tried to say it, but you guys are getting really fired up about this. <laughs> I'm just, just like, I like Dan Campbell. I like all the emotion stuff. I like guys like that. I think we are all Michigan State fans. We basically listen to Mel Tucker to say cliches. For about every press conference, yeah, after every game, and I'm like, you know what? Keep chopping, keep chopping. Like I buy into all that stupid shit he says because hey, they're winning, and I'll do the same with Dan Campbell and the Lions. Maybe they're winning in the future. I just laugh at the people who tweet. You're like, you know what? This is the guy. Just because he cried in a, just because he cares. Don't think you like. It, it, you, like you have a very, you have a very Fred. good point. No, no, Collins. Like that doesn't I, matter in the NFL. It I, I'm Collins, sorry. I hear you. I have. I hear you. I hear you. You have a very, very, very good point, and I actually agree with you. The point to which I will justify that is the fact that when this team does get a good roster, and I'm not saying if, I'm saying when, because you now have a GM who knows what he's doing, and in about two or three years, when you, when you have a good roster, that's the coach you want. You don't want Matt Patricia. And you don't no want Jim Caldwell. He's okay. awful. We get that. Okay. And and you know what? And I'm I'm so sick I'm not, of like I'm not even chirping Campbell. I'm just saying. No, I know you're not, Collins. I know you're not. And and I guess that's I just want to roll into my I agree with you to an extent. My thing is when you get these th- listen, I, I want to take this to another to another level here because Rabs made a comment last week of who are the young guys. The young guys you're rebuilding around are this, and I, and I'll give them to you, and, and you guys can can roll your eyes and argue all you want. DeAndre Swift, 22. TJ Hawkinson, 24. Penny Sewell, 21. Frank Ragnow, 25. Quint Cephas, 22. Get well soon. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, 21. Jamal Williams, 26. Uh, both the Okwara brothers, 26, 23. Derek Barnes, 23. Levi Onuzarike, 23. Aline McNeil, 21. Jack Fox, 25. Tracy Walker, 26. Jalen Reese Maven, 26. Jeff Okuda, if you want to count him, is 20. Jalen Reese Maven made the play of the season. Jalen Reese Maven. Yeah, dude, I love Jalen Reese Maven. He doesn't even start on defense. All I'm I'm saying is I just gave you – maybe he should play a little more. I just gave you 15-plus guys who are young, and if this roster progresses – That's the part we're talking about Dan Campbell. That's what I'm getting to, Rabs. If this team team and these players progress in the next two to three years – when Rabs and Collins, you guys might be married with children. I Wait, believe that Dan Cam- Dan Campbell, <laughs> Dan, Dan Campbell is the coach that I want because he cares. He's been working with these guys for multiple years. Let's keep things in perspective. He got a six-year contract for a reason. He's a leader of men, and he can't do shit when he doesn't have a good roster, but he can do better with a bad roster than a bad coach can do with a bad roster. And I know that just sounds like the most obvious thing ever, but the fact that his players want to play for him means something. So Lions fans do not quit and be like my great friend, Ryan Rabinowitz and don't watch the games anymore. And like stick with, we knew what the season was going to be. So can we keep it in perspective? It's house money every week. The team has nothing to lose. They got nothing to gain. They got nothing to accomplish. The fact that they're 0-5 and they're playing hard for their coach till the end of the game, tooth and nail to get a win, that means something to me. So this team is going to continue to fight. 
They'll win a couple games this year. They'll draft a quarterback and they'll stay the course. There is nothing Dan Campbell can do to turn me off at this point because it's not his fault. And the last thing I'll say before I turn it over to you guys and whatever the hell we want to do before the picks is the quote that he said after the game. He said, when you play that way and fight that way, it's coming. And he's referring to winning and being on the right side of things. And both of you can't look me in the eye and tell me that if the Lions had a better roster, they would still be 0-5 right now because they wouldn't. And that, that's it. That's it. And, and I'm not, it's, not, it's not like a, me being a slappy, even though I picked the Lions to go 7-10 and 10 this year. It's simply the fact that I think you've got a great run game. I think you've got an offensive line that's banged up. You, you look, you, the reason you didn't cry after the Ravens game is because you looked at and you saw the Bears on the schedule. You thought you could beat them. You didn't. You thought you could beat the Vikings. You didn't. And we'll see if they beat the Bengals next week. That is all. I'm sorry for rambling. No, I, I appreciate it. I'm just back, back to what I was, what I was saying about the incident. My, you have to understand my gripe. I don't, I don't have this like Dan Campbell's not the guy mentality. And I, I am, hey, but you biggest... also, you guys both, and not to, I'll let you go, but you guys both also don't have a Dan Campbell could be the guy. Neither one of you has the could be, not even is. You just, you won't even give it like a chance. Rabs, Rabs, you texted us last week and said he's not the guy and they're not going to win. What? I don't know about that. Yes, you did. You said they're not going to win with him out on Campbell. I'm, after I'm the Bears the, game. I am the biggest, I am the biggest like heart hustle attitude guy of all time. Like that's a coach that I, I, because again, coming from what we just came from with Matt Patricia, like Dan Campbell cares about his players. And I think Dan Campbell takes the losing personally and he feels a personal responsibility to lions fans to to win for them and that is what i love and i appreciate because you don't see coaches like that these days that get that fired up and that that say hey i'm gonna break that like fourth wall or whatever they call it on tv and speak to you as the fans and go i understand you i hear you i want to win for you and to genuinely mean it so to have a guy like dan campbell from that standpoint is i i couldn't ask for for a better intangibles guy from a coach from a from an intangible standpoint i couldn't ask for for a better guy from a tangible standpoint, as far as strategies, X's and O's, and just being able to coach the game in totality, Trent, you're right. I'm not going to sit here and tell you if Matthew Stafford was here and and they had a, a better roster that they, they would still be 0-5 because that's just disingenuous. I get the roster is bad. My whole point is to, to lose to lose a game like that, where you take the lead with 37 seconds left and you somehow, and you just said yourself, Trent, the Vikings aren't good. So explain to me why with 37 seconds left up one, you allow that team with Kirk Cousins at quarterback with no Dalvin Cook to, to whatever yeah, happened pause, to go down pause. your throat and to go kick a field goal and you're going to cry after that because game Rabs, the, roster, the roster is bad as we've said a million times your best pass rushers out for the season with a torn Achilles your best corners out for the season with a torn Achilles you're not working with much man and I know you know that so don't act like this team, like I, dude, I said when it happened, I was like jumping up and down. I'm hugging my brother. I'm hugging my dad, but I'm still like, dude, 
There's a lot of time, and they got two timeouts, and all they got to do, as we saw in the fucking Ravens game, <laughs> they just got to cross the 50. They just got to cross the 50. They got a chance. Yeah, it's that and that's easy. that. And you know what? He nailed it right down the middle. And was I shocked? No. And I told my friends and family as soon as the game ended, I'm already over it because I'm dead inside. I didn't expect to win that game. I slept until 12.45, took a 10-minute shower, and came downstairs dripping wet to see kickoff. So it's not exactly like I'm amped up to watch the Lions. But to make the declaration after five games that Dan Campbell isn't the guy, or, or conversely, he just can't be the guy. Like, there's no, there's no could be. There's no gray area. When he has a six-year contract, and this roster's maybe the worst in the entire NFL, along with Jacksonville, who's still winless as well. That's just... That's asinine to me. And that's it. I was that's proud fine. of I, I and, and Rabs, did... Rabs, my last point before this is my last point, last, last, last point is I'm not, it's not a personal attack from me to you saying you didn't watch the game. What I mean by that is simply this the team fought. You feel the emotional roller coaster. You're proud of Jalen Reeves Maven for making a fucking play to win. And Jared Goff, who we have basically hung out on a I, I, don't, I can't even make a good analogy we have killed that guy we have had a voodoo doll with number 16 in Honolulu Blue all season I he wish. made a great play going for two your coach said we're leaving here with a win we're playing to win and you get it and you're up with 37 seconds but your defense lets you down because it's simply not a good roster that is where I say stay the course and that's all that is all that's fine that's fine I just, I have, I'm not putting myself on the limb of making the take that Dan Campbell is going to get this team to play for a Super Bowl. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to, I'm not going to go out on the limb and say that Brad Holmes is going to get this team to a Super Bowl. I'm just not because I Perhaps, do it all what, the time. But what ground do you have to stand on other than the fact that the Lions historically are a bad organization? The ground I have to stand on. We're five games a, into a new regime and six year a, deals. Is that this is a first time head coach in the NFL and it's a first time GM in the NFL. And that's not a knock on them, but my God, Trent, can you, can you at least see, meet me halfway when I say that there's the, there's not a lot to be confident about because Dan Campbell drinks a lot of coffee in the morning and he cries at his press conference. That's why they're going to the Super Bowl. Yes. Rabs. I will agree with you. What I'm trying to, the, the point that I'm simply trying to make is that I laid out 15 plus young guys That's a quarter of the roster, and I know a lot of them are hurt or on IR, whatever. And the team is now 0-5, and you're going to see them play really hard again next Sunday. They don't quit on their coach. Somehow he keeps them roped in. I will be interested to see in a 17-game schedule how things continue to progress. I will give you that. What I won't give you is that I don't think that this team – like I just don't think that it's fair to make the declaration that Dan Campbell can't do his thing. Because we all, and and again, I I sound like a broken record, but I'm just going back to the fact that we all sat here preseason. We all picked the Lions to have a losing record, of course. We all picked the Lions to be hovering right around that four and a half win total if they're lucky. We all were like, Jared Goff isn't the guy. He deserves a chance, but he's not the guy. And we all sat here and said that this defense Dan Campbell's inheriting a defense that was literally a statistical outlier last year. So that's my only thing 
and and I sound like a broken record, so I will simply stop. And Rabs, I respect your opinion a million percent, and I get it. Like I under honestly, I think most fans agree with you. But that's what that's what that's what upsets me because I got to look on Twitter today about all these guys who are emasculating Dan Campbell for crying at the podium, and I see it as a good thing. I see, at least we don't have a fucking robot who's reading off a pamphlet like we have the last four years, dude. And I, that's it. I it, don't need it because we're talking we're, we're talking about a year, Rabs where the franchise has seemingly taken a shift. You change principal owners. I know Collins doesn't agree on that front, but you change principal owners. You give six-year contracts to a GM and a coach. You get rid of your franchise quarterback and arguably your best quarterback in history. And, and you, you go on with your, you go on with your years. Yes, so I just, I, they, are, they deserve a fair correct. shake. They deserve a fair shake and five games into this regime with this roster, not a fair shake. That is correct. All. I, and I, I, yes, you are right. And, and there is an element of not quitting and wanting to play for your coach. That is a piece of the equation of the winning equation, which it seems like they, they're already on that track. And, and I, I don't, I just don't, I don't need my fandom to be misconstrued as me, like not watching the team and being bitter and being like, Oh, SOL, this SOL, that I'm calling it. Like I see it. The team stinks. And in the first year of a new head coach, in the first year of a GM who in a lot of ways has to untangle in the same way that Steve Eiserman had to do after taking over Ken Holland, you have to untangle the mess that you were left with and you have to try to implement your culture and what you think is a winning formula. It doesn't, it, you can't do it in a year, let alone five games. I get that. My point being is I just think I, I appreciate the fact that Dan Campbell cares that much and that he thinks his team is fighting and is working hard. And maybe that's just Dan Campbell being Dan Campbell because everyone shows their emotions differently. I just think after a game that you blow, you do all that work to stay in the game. And you guys make the you guys have been saying it was a game they weren't supposed to win, but the Vikings suck. So I don't really know where we land on that spectrum, but to, to do all that work to stay in the game with a quarterback who sucks ass to stay in the game. And then you take the lead and with 37 seconds left, just like you have for your entire history of your organization, you blow it. And then you go in the press conference and cry and say, you guys, you guys tried hard. That to me is a little much. That's it. That's it. I'm not out on Dan Campbell. I'm just saying, my God, dude, it's the NFL. Most coaches don't go in the press conference and fucking cry. Maybe if you lose the Super Bowl in a heartbreaker and go, God, man, like this team, they worked so hard all year. It's been a pleasure coaching them. And I just feel terrible. We couldn't get it done. You can cry then, Dan. Cry in the Super Bowl when Rams. you lose on a last second field goal. That's it. That's, 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 see, I, that's that, all I had to say. That's a good point. Just, that out, is dude. a good I point. I, I can't. You guys have said time and time again and i have agreed this offense is it takes so much energy and effort on my part to sit down and watch this offense do nothing all game long i don't have time for it i'm a, i'm 23 years old i'm not 7 where all i all I, my obligations are to pick boogers and eat and eat my boogers and play with play-doh and watch tv all day i have other things going on this team does not deserve my time and a lot of it falls on number 16 
And in to your point about Brad Holmes, if they even think about keeping this guy beyond two years, the, the minute they his won't. dead cap they, number they, they will zero, not. he better be on a ship to go play in the CFL. I, the, because the funny thing sucks. is, Brad, the, the funny thing is, I don't even give a shit about dead cap. Cut him, cut him next offseason. I think terrible. And and you know what? I think they will. They might try to trade him. It's not going to happen because no one fucking wants him. But my thing is this, and my last, my last thing. I keep I keep saying this. In my <laughs> I know I I know this no, is just I'm, how it is. I get and it. I'm and I'm sorry for hogging the mic, but I promise. No, this is it. My thing with Dan Campbell is like it is. It is nice. You 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 bring up a very good point in that it is week five of a season where you are winless. You can't cry at the podium. And to that, I will just reiterate that it's it's not like the guy is sobbing and and in control like his girlfriend just dumped him and and he and he can't go to prom and he got mud on his suit and all that shit it's not that it's him know, standing there frustrated. it's it's him no no it's it's not even frustration as much as it is he's just he's hurt because he thinks that his guys deserve it cuz he's in that facility every day and i will say this and I know, I know, I know you can laugh at that. And I, I kind of let <laughs> just like then I, win. I, I kind of win too, the game. But that's not Don't fair get walked over with Rabs, 30 seconds you, left. Rabs, you can't say win after you also make the declaration that this is the They're worst terrible. roster in the league. You they can't give an oxymoron. This guy's know, a six-year deal, and it's nice as a fan and a season ticket holder to see a coach go up there to the podium and actually share some empathy with the fans to almost be a fan. Collins made a great point a few years or a few weeks ago that Dan Campbell's the biggest Lions fan. The biggest yeah, Lions fan is, is Dan great. Campbell. And you know what? Oh my God. That's yeah, that's it. I gotta stop. That's fine. When it, it's hey. just it's it is nice for me to hear our coach go to the podium and share something with the fans instead of giving me the same robotic rehearsed sit up in your chair we're gonna look at the film we gotta coach better bullshit and that was with a good roster this is a bad roster and this guy's up there crying because he wants them to win so bad and he knows that his guys deserve to win and the lions are not they are not i deserve to win too god they're not worthy of zero and five they played a great game week three and lost they played a not a great game yesterday, but they had a chance to win yesterday, and you get the rug ripped out from underneath you. Whatever. You want to do the picks? I trust, dude. There was a you lot of picks. A lot of the tears on that I could I could relate to because that just it's it's again it's crying out of just frustration of just like no matter what you do, no matter how hard your team works, no matter how good your roster is, this team some for some reason someone did someone clearly. Uh, peed in the corner in a church or something or something happened years ago that it just seems like no matter what this team does they cannot catch a break and they cannot win so yeah whatever well hey before we do Trust the, the picks, process, can, before we do the picks can we do a wellness check at ryan collins because you've been so you've collins been alarming. Out. He's, he's been, he's he's been he alarm, alarmingly quiet I, anymore. I know I he's had feeling no other thoughts i had no other thoughts you guys were going at it i didn't want to step in Okay, well, let's do the picks now. Again, we will at some point, Trent, your homework still is we need to figure out what, what everyone's record is on these picks because we need to update the leaderboard. Bob. Let's just but do this. Let's At the bye week, let's give a bye week update. How oh, we can do that. Yeah, we'll get our eggs in a row then. Um, the Detroit Lions will welcome the Cincinnati Bengals to Ford Field at 1 o'clock on Sunday the 17th. Uh, the spread currently, the Lions are a three-point underdog. The over-under sits at 48 points. 
Um, is Joe Burrow – Joe Burrow is playing, correct, like no matter what, or he's questionable? I mean, he'll play. He'll play. He should play. Um, okay, so that's how we sit. Um, who wants to start? Not me. Collins, give me a break. Collins. Under Bengals. Do you have any reason he's for why you think that, sir? He's done. He's like, <laughs> the Lions, if you've watched the Lions offense, I, I'm not even, like, kidding. Like, it's just – It's the worst thing ever. It's just Terrible. so not. And they have no – They Jared no, no Goff is Joey Harrington. They are the same player. It's Chet down Charlie. So, I, I – we've already talked about it. I don't need to go into it more. I think it's like a 28 to 7 Bengals win. Seven points. Okay. Okay. No, I, 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 you know what? I can't, I don't even have a leg to stand on there. Collins. I, I, I respect that pick. I'm going to say, Oh God. I, I think this is, I really think this is the lion's last like early season opportunity to go win a game. Cause you look at the schedule coming up and it's, you know, it's the Rams and, and, and I, I don't even, I looked at it yesterday. You got good teams coming up. We, we knew that coming in six, six hardest strength of schedule. I will say this. The Bengals, dude, like their wins, okay? They beat the Vikings by three in overtime. And we saw how great the Vikings were yesterday, okay? They lost to the Bears, and the Bears suck, okay? They beat the Steelers by 14. The Steelers ain't good. They lost. They they barely beat the Jaguars. They lost to the Packers. So I'm just – I have no temperature on the Bengals. Nothing the Bengals can do really scares me other than like, yeah, they've got got some good like – upper tier but like sort of lower upper tier middle of the pack guys and jamar chase t higgins and joe mixon i don't know i just think the way the lions have been getting to the quarterback the last few weeks and i know that sounds like a comical statement i think they'll get to joe burrow rattles cage a little bit lions at least cover and i think that i think i think you i will go on the record right now i think you see your first win under dan campbell i really do and and again if they don't get a win now if they don't get a win against the Bengals, i don't know where the first win comes but go ahead Rams. i got the Ooh, lions who- and I'll, and I'll take the over as well. I'll take the over because I think both defenses are struggling. And, and you know, what you might see a couple defensive touchdowns in this game as well. So go ahead, Rams. Who do, who do the Lions have after the Bengals? Can you read off at the next five games? Yes, let me go to it. The Lions have – I know it's the Rams after the Bengals. Yes, at Rams, Eagles at home. Okay, Eagles at home might be, be the Eagles. Game. But, okay. At Rams, Eagles at home, at Steelers, at Browns. Yeah, you get the picture. And then Bears is Thanksgiving at home. Um, this, this to me is like this is going to be a man in the suit pick. I'm going to actually take the Lions. And I, I, I just feel like this is one of those games that the Lions are going to be able to take advantage of the fact that they're playing a young quarterback who has shown you at times like he'll throw like he'll throw his share of interceptions. I do think Joe Burrow is just a gamer, and I really hope that his his talent will meet his potential because I think that he can actually be a really good quarterback in this league. But maybe you, maybe he's still a bit banged up coming into next week. I don't disagree, Trent, that I think that they can actually win this game. And every every part of me emotionally and in my heart, in my heart, I believe the Lions will get run out of the building. But my brain is telling me that to go like I can already see the headlines of like they go oh and five the coach starts crying they win the next game and being at home helps you too so I'm actually going to take the Lions I'll take the points but I do think they can win this game um dude Kiermaier Jesus so what happened 
Oh, the Rays are trying to make an oil rally right now. Oh, nice. Um, 48 points is the total. I'm going to go – it's going to go over, but I'm going to – I'll take the under. I will take the under. A lot of the Bengals games this year have ended at, like, two points, three points. Yeah, yeah, like very, very, very tight. So, I mean, I know they took the they took the Packers to overtime. I don't know. I, I have no feel for, like – I haven't watched enough of the Bengals to know how their defense is, but – I just don't see like Jared. I, I don't know, dude. I, I just don't see it. I, this offense and you don't have Quintez Cephas anymore. And every single week I have to see that like the leading receiver isn't TJ Hawkinson. Like they should be using TJ Hawkinson the way that the Raiders use Darren Waller, like where he's getting targeted like 25 times a game. I'm over exaggerating, but seriously, like, and they just don't. And I don't know if it's because, I, I, I mean, having watched, like, I didn't watch last week, but watching him live and uh, the game against the Bears, like, he gets mutilated off the line. And in the red zone, he's impossible to throw to because he's, like, double, triple covered. So, I get that. But, Trent, you also said something, too, earlier about the run game. Like, they don't – they do not run the ball enough. Like, I don't know. I get that. I get that in – in theory, passing the ball gives you a better chance to move the ball down down the field and to score points. They don't. They don't have the personnel to do it. They don't correct, have the personnel. Correct. Like you, factually, you are truly one of those like unicorn teams that is better off giving the ball to DeAndre Swift thirty times a game. And clearly, is he still hurt? Because he yeah, how. He got- how yeah, is he, he getting less week. touches? How is he getting less touches than Jamal Williams? Well, How? look, look, I, I made this, I made this declaration to my brother. Clearly, still day. hurt. Well, yeah, I think he is hurt, but I would also argue that you know a, a, a B or C plus DeAndre Swift. It, I would rather give more more touches to Williams because Williams is honestly that good. So if 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 Swift is hurt, which he clearly is, I want Williams to be the bell cow guy, and Swift will be. Why your do you say Swift is hurt? Because he is. Because he's, he's on the injury report every single week. He's like yeah, quite like a lingering hamstring. Yeah, but no, it's, it's, it's his groin. It's his groin. You look good this week. Well, you're right, Collins. That like he's he's always good in the open field. It's just in terms of like, do I really want Swift taking hits if he's questionable every week? No, I would rather Williams be in there. But Rabs, I'll I'll say this. I think that you know the the Lions run game kind of peaked in that Ravens game we went to. And, and since then, it's kind of been like, okay, they're playing from behind in that Bears game and that Vikings game, and they try to sling it a little more, and you see where that gets you. But, yeah, the key is keep it a close game. A close game favors the Lions. A short game favors the Lions. Goff can still put together dink-dunk drives. We've seen it now in that Ravens game, that Bears game before the fourth and one miss to Amon Ross St. Brown. And of course, this, this uh, you know, yesterday's game against the Vikings. You see it. He can still give you dink-dunk you know, possession drives, drive all the way down the field, very surgical, but not often. And I'll say that that's it. That is all. I th- I think the Lions win. I think the Lions get their first win. All right. Well, those are the picks. Should we do a trifecta and we wrap it up? Sure. We can keep it. We can keep it uh, tight this time too, since I know that Collins is not feeling well and Collins needs to get some sleep. So my first question is outside. Okay. I have to give context to this. So the Purdue Boilermakers mascot, Collins, do you know what his name is? Boiler, uh, Purdue Pete. Purdue Pete. Okay, Purdue Pete is horrifying. And one of my friends made a comment about it. They said he just looks scary. Outside of Sparty, do you think, like, do you like any of the human mascots? 
Because I saw the Rutgers Scarlet Knight too. I don't know. He's probably his name. I actually kind of like the Scarlet Knight. I, I don't mind the Scarlet Knight, but I, I agree that Purdue Pete is kind of horrifying. I just think, I don't think, and this isn't even being biased because Sparty is factually the best mascot, let alone human mascot in all of, all of sports. But what are there any human mascots that don't terrify you? I like Pistol Pete from Oklahoma State. I like the guy. I like the little face they got going. The most terrifying one is Kansas State, where it's a human body and it has a, it has the wildcat face on top of the guy in a football jersey. Like the, it's that is the most terrifying one by far. Okay, see that, um, that's a good take, Collins. I needed that kind of stuff. Uh, there's some good. I know what you're saying. But there's not that many. I know what you're saying with the – it's like a human caricature. Is that the yeah. right word? Yes, caricature. I, I'm trying yeah, to think. Word. It's Sparty, Purdue Pete, um, Willie the White Wildcat, which I think that is the Kansas State mascot. I don't think that's technically what you're talking about. I'm well, I mean, it, it kind of counts. It counts. But, like, there, there's, like, the West Virginia, the Mountaineer. You got the Notre Dame guy. That, those are, like, real people, though. Other than – Sparty and Purdue Pete, I can't even think of like, and maybe the Rutgers guy, like human caricature. Care, I can't even say it. God. Well, that that's okay. That's okay. You're right. I think you're right. Also, Rabs, what are your thoughts? Uh, are we talking like just college mascots? I mean, pretty much, yeah. I mean, I'm you truly know, New England has their Patriot dude, whatever. But yeah, I'm truly not all that. Like, I can't even really Pro- think. dude. Providence Fryer, all time mascot. See, look, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. I Whenever I come up with these questions, I always have one of you in mind, at least each, for, for, for two of them. This, yeah, was, a this Collins, was a Collins question. This I'm was not, a Collins question. I'm not all that tapped into the mascot scene. As far as mascots I like, I think the Hilltopper's funny from Western Kentucky because it looks like a red grimace. Um, yeah, that was – I like the human – I like the leprechaun. I like the leprechaun human for Notre Dame, even though it's – I think it's a black guy this year. Which, hey, I mean, I guess there's black Irish people. I hey, guess it's, it's fine it's, with me. If you, can do, if you can do the job, you can do the job. Like, clearly clearly that guy has earned the right to be the leprechaun. So, I'm not trying to insinuate anything ridiculous here. I'm just saying, like, that was interesting. Because yeah, usually nope. you think leprechaun, you think small guy, red hair, very pasty yeah. skin. That could be racist, no, uh, too. Who knows? So, I'll stop talking. No backdoor racism from Rabs. Question two. Um <laughs> This is really a stupid question. This is a lazy. I mailed it in with this one. Well, gonna, when's the last time you cried after a no, football game? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Here. Um, so I helped my mom decorate our house for Halloween the other day because I just kind of nice. like that. I like to do that kind of stuff for fun. Um, what do you consider to be Halloween colors? I see a lot of purple. I see I see a lot of purple in like the decorations. Black. Well, it's orange and black, yes, but Christmas has like the red, green, and gold and silver to an extent. Like, there's always like silver the... and gold. Yes, Rabs, thank you. That was beautiful. So my question is like, obviously, like black and black and orange are the main two. But do you do you throw purple in there? Do you throw green in there? Green is sometimes Ooh, in there. Could be green, black, orange, yellow, purple, green. Maybe all the colors are just Halloween colors. Yellow, yellow is a Halloween purple. color. Yeah. I mean, candy corn, maybe just because of that. I oh, hate that's candy. true. That's true. I hate candy corn. I, I would say purple, green, orange, and black. That's final answer. Okay. No, that's pretty like, good. That and counts. When, and when you say green, it has to be like 
the green goblin or like a witch's like potion type of green right like like frankenstein green it's not michigan yes. state green it's like it's yeah. like bright green like yeah green yes. goblin or alien that's a good answer but okay okay that's all that was kind of, again i kind of mailed it in with that one that was stupid but i'll close it out with this i was fortunate enough to go to big 10 media days last weekend um really enjoyed it really enjoyed being back in person interviewing people and stuff um who is michigan state's best basketball player this year on the men's team like i, I just want to know like i don't i don't really have i don't think there's a definitive answer like gabe brown and malik hall are your captain but you also got you got you got max Christie. maybe bingham i don't know yeah I, I i don't know that's why that's what i'm saying i have no idea who the best player joey hauser could you can make a case for him i know he kind of tailed off at the end of last Dude, year i happy brought this up because i i love talking college basketball Michigan State is going to be so they're, – they're really weird again. This is a really weirdly constructed team. Well, I, hey, the, the point guard situation is a lot better. I think they're, they're, they're going to be good this year, though. The, there's, the a lot guard, of people, there's a lot of people who are like, oh, they're going to be a seven seed. I'm like, I don't – a lot of people, like, don't remember how good Marcus Bingham was down the stretch last year. He was great. No, I think he – no, it, exactly. I think he's really good. He I, – I expect a big year out of him. And then literally the you can't have worse point guard play than you had last year. That is correct. And you know what? The Tyson Walker transfer and, dude, A.J. Hogard lost weight. People are huge on him right now. So Well, he – Izzo's a – yeah, he lost a bunch of weight he needed to lose. He needs to learn how to shoot. That's what he needs to do, Tom. Yeah, well, yeah, I, I agree with that too. Well, but look, yeah. look, the, the point guard situation to your point, Collins, it's like Walker is the 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 he's the playmaker, he's the athletic go to the rim guy. He's also the defensive player of the year in his conference the other the other year. And then Hogard conversely is like kind of your slower, more like methodical play, almost like a Cassius type. And that's not a slight to Cassius, of course, but it's like you've got those two guys, and Izzo has talked about playing them both at the same time. But I think I, if I if I had a gun to my head, Collins, I think your your knee jerk was correct. I think Malik Hall, as crazy as it sounds, is probably he saw, Malik Hall is the definition of an Izzo guy and the definition of someone who's just good in college basketball. He's like yeah. I'm six seven. I have a good handle. I have a really good feel for the game, and I'm gonna rebound really well. And if I can develop any outside jump shot. I'm going to be a massive issue. Also, the Big Ten this year is going to be super weird. Michigan, I think, projected to win the conference. But, like, other than that, it's like Michigan and Purdue. Other than that, the rest of the teams are kind of unproven. Yeah, well, I think it's Michigan, Purdue, and Michigan State, yes, at the top. And then Michigan State was sixth in the preseason. I just don't see that happening. But, perhaps who was in any... front of them? Who was in front of them? Um, Maryland was fifth. Il- oh, yeah, was... Maryland will be good this year. And I think Illinois was fourth, I think. Illinois is not going to be good this year. That's a fact. Well, I mean, they've got they have Turbello and how the fact that Kofi Coburn was projected to win the Big Ten Player of the Year is just unbelievable. To me. Well, dude, there's I mean, no like no shot he will win that award this year. There's no great <laughs> guards in the conference anymore. I mean, Turbello hey, on his own team has a better shot of winning that award than Coburn. Okay, okay, I, I can't disagree. And people but... watch Coburn in big games. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Whatever. No, I, I agree. I'm a, I'm a big, I'm a big Curbelo guy too, but Rabs, do you have any thoughts on this or is this kind of just in one year out the other for you? 
Uh, Joey Hauser is my answer. That was like the <laughs> first name that came. Seriously, I I swear to God, it changes number to ten. People are saying that to be a huge difference. I just I think like fundamentally, he's I think he's the best player you have on a team. I he's I and I know he's he sucked last. I know he wasn't good last year. I get that, but I actually think he's the best player on your team. I'm excited to watch the kid from Northeastern, the point guard. I uh, AJ Hogard to me is like a poor man's Cassius because he's like not good. I'm, not, I'm sorry. He's not athletic, like not athletically gifted. And he's got that like little bit of baby fat on him to where you can't really take him seriously as like a good basketball player. Well, that's the thing. They said he lost weight. That's why it's noteworthy. I don't think like, AJ Hogard is like, is going to make any bit of difference on this team. I, I just don't, I don't see it at all. Okay. Well, then, I'm excited hey, to watch. I'm excited to watch. Was it Christie and who's the other one? Jaden Akins. Jaden Akins uh, and, and Pierre Brooks. But yeah, Akins and Christie are the two that are probably. Damn, I think, ooh. Pierre Brooks is a strong name. Yeah, well, Pierre Pierre wow. Brooks is consensus third in that class. Like they think that they think that Aikens and and uh, yeah, whatever. We lost Ryan Collins, by the way, so we can just wrap up the show. Oh, Collins, where did he go? He froze and then he completely left the meeting. So, oh, <laughs> unbelievable! You well, can wrap it a, up, Rabs. What a better time to end here, as we have members of the podcast dropping like flies. Um, all right. Well, that is all for today's episode of the Motown Rundown for Trent Bailey and Ryan Collins, who's no longer here. Uh, I am Ryan Rabinowitz. Submit any questions, comments, concerns, suggest topics for the show at Motown underscore rundown on Twitter. We're also on Facebook at the Motown Rundown page. Do not miss a single episode of the show. We are on Apple Podcasts and we are on Spotify. You can subscribe, follow us, rate us five stars, say something nice, be a good person today. Um, and that's all we got. New episodes every single week. We'll see you next time. Love you guys.